you're tuning in to Change It Up, the podcast. A podcast about young people challenging the status quo. I'm Sarah and I'm super excited to be in this journey with you. We Gen Z's have so much to offer this world. We're creative, inclusive, empathic and tenacious. And we're not afraid to stand up for each other. Join me and a fellow Gen Z for a weekly conversation about the behind the scenes of being a young change maker and all the things that matter to us. We're here to build connections and inspire positive change. So do you want to change the world with me? Take along. I thought college was supposed to be a place for us to meet all of these cool people. But everyone was kind of happy just being on their own. And those groups were oftentimes groups of like-minded individuals, people from the same race, culture, religion, geographic location, interests. And I think that was the first time, long story short, where I realized, hey, I think there's something wrong with this. Hey everyone, and welcome to this very first episode of Change It Up. I am super excited to be on this journey with you, and I can't believe that we are finally here, that we are releasing the first episode, and we finally get to connect with each other as a community and to allow these conversations to get into the world. Um, we've been working really, really hard to the entire team on on creating this for you guys and I really really hope that you enjoy it and I hope that you get a sense of of deep connections and the experience of getting behind the scenes of getting to know the young change makers out in this world and be inspired by other young people and and the beauty and the power and all the immense amount of potential that 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 exists within our generation of Gen Zs and and just see that you that there's so many people out here like you and that you're not alone and that you can do absolutely anything that you dream of and i'm really really excited to just be on this journey with you and to welcome all of you guys so welcome to our platform and our community my name is sarah and i am the co-founder and creative director here at humanity up and we're a community of and, and, and an organization of young people who work together across the world. We currently have ambassadors in more than 30 countries and we work together on meeting leaders, on building connections and just inspire positive change through different projects and collaborations. And we're super excited. We're a community of creatives and artists and activists and CEOs from different companies, all types of young people who just are passionate about positive change, about creating a world that feels more connected, more unified, more inclusive, and just a world that we can be proud of as well. And I'm really excited to see where this journey takes us and to have you be a part of this journey with us. I think something that is really parent for for our generation is that we are really someone who believes in having deep conversations and we believe in being as authentic and as inclusive as possible and being about expressing our personal truth and along that to to always have that subjective truth and and not being judgmental towards everyone and i think that we realize sometimes in in this day and age that we look at all our 
Instagram feeds and our TikTok reels and we realize that everyone is just really really doing an amazing job and we see change makers and activists going around and like how did they and make me think think of how people went from from being dreamers to being leaders and and how they started making a positive change in the world and i wanted to get to know the humans behind these change makers and their stories and how they they got through the process and how they get through the every single days and the everydayness of everything and just to show you guys that these people are exactly the same as everyone else and that it is an entirely possible and, and being just being sensitive to different situations and context and circumstances that we all grow up in to see that there's so many diverse and different paths to achieving your dreams and and doing what it is that you you dream of becoming and and all that stuff and i feel like this is just the beginning for all of us and there is so many things and so much goodness that our generation is going to create and i can't wait to see it um i'm really really excited and i'm so proud of all of us and i'm so proud of you and i am really happy to have you a part of our community and with that being said i think i wanted to really turn the attention to this week's guest because this week's guest and I think with all of the guests I've been talking to so far and I'm sure about the future as well what I've been realizing is that most of them I meet the first time and when you meet someone you know and I think that's just like universal sometimes for our generation is is that within a couple of minutes they just feel like having a conversation with a longtime friend and I'm really really happy that and grateful for all of these people who have been joining this show and who have taken the time to sit down with me and to to be with all of you guys and it just feels like having a conversation with with people that have become my friends and I'm really really happy to to share these conversations with you guys and these amazing people and this week's episode is with out like no exclusion at all maybe perhaps a definition of a great friend um i would like to say that she is absolutely amazing and i'm so happy that i got to meet her i got to sit down with her and hopefully soon i'll be able to meet her in the future and all of you guys will be able to get to know more of her and hopefully we'll see more collaboration with this amazing woman and all her amazing community and her team as well in the future i can't wait for that as well so um let's get into it so sophie baron is the founder and ceo of the conversationalist a community of plus 12,000 young people across the world dedicated to breaking gen c's outside of their acre chambers and unifying the world one voice at a time She's passionate about creating a social impact and celebrating the unique voices of young people. Being nominated 25 under 25 by Social Entrepreneurs Magazine and 21 Women X Entrepreneurs to watch in 2021, she's on her way to change the way that we are talking to each other and the way that we have conversations. Because as Sophie likes to say, we can't unify without you and I. And I can't wait to 
share you guys this conversation and to hear your opinions and what you want to know more about and to have more conversations like this so please if you want to hit the button where you can follow and subscribe to our podcast as well that would be absolutely amazing and leave us a beautiful five-star review i can't wait to meet all of you and to get this episode started so without further ado let's bring on Sophie. everyone and welcome back um i'm really excited about this episode and i'm first of all i wanted to say thank you you sophie for for showing up here today and for taking the time for talking to me and for speaking with all of us i wanted to before we jump into the conversation i just wanted to ask you and i wanted to ask you how you're doing in especially in in times like these where our generation is facing so many immense amounts of issues and challenges both in in terms of a global level but also just in in our personal life and and the everydayness of everything so so how are you Oh my goodness. Well, Sarah, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. And that's definitely a loaded question. Um, I will say all around, I'm super grateful to be doing well. Um, And with that, I'll also say that I'm feeling a little overwhelmed lately. Um, But I think that's such a normal thing to feel. And Mm. I'm just trying to kind of parse through everything that's happening in the world. And a lot of my work really right now is surrounding opening up dialogue with all of the craziness of current events and politics and really what young people are going through. So I would say it's a a healthy mix of overwhelm and gratitude. What about you? Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I think for me, the same thing, as you said, it's, it's a mix of a lot of things. There's, there's lots of, of personal things that you can go through and, and that you experience. And I think, I think for someone like me, and I think that's true for you as well, that's someone who cares so much about what's going on in the world and about the community that we are part of and, and the people that are in our lives, I think you definitely see what, what the global issues and, and the things that's going on affects you on a on a like a huge scale and and just taking the time to to both taking care of yourself personally and and at the same time trying to do your best to contribute to to the people in your like your new community and also on on a larger scale i think that is a job that is both very much giving and very much also something that can take a lot of your energy and a lot of your time as well uh, and i think it's so important that we that we have this type of dialogue as well as just starting the conversations even though they are really uncomfortable and and take up a lot of our a lot of our space and energy and I wanted to totally. to start with that process for you because just about being a part of this culture and being part, part of our generation and Gen Cs, how has it been for you sort of the experience of going through? Because I think there's lots of people that, of course, ask you about your story and how you started uh, Table Talk and the conversationalists. But I really wanted to focus on, on how your process was from going from noticing that there was something missing in our culture or there was something wrong, you could say, um, and being like, oh, I noticed that, that this is happening, but actually realizing that I I'm going to be the one that's going to do something about it, or I want to be the one doing something about it. Totally. And I'll say it really happened serendipitously. I think it all relates back to where my journey started growing up in Kansas. I 
grew up in a community that was pretty homogenous. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, it was a privileged environment, primarily white, conservative, waspy to some extent. Um, and I found that I was really just surrounded by the same types of people. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that I had always struggled with growing up was feeling like an outsider in mm-hmm. that community. I, I was the only Jewish kid in my entire school. And from such a young age, all I wanted was to fit in. I didn't want to be different. I just wanted to be like everyone else. But no matter how hard I tried, I was labeled as the other. And so I think for me, from a young age, I really lacked a lot of the agency that I so badly wanted to make a change. I told myself, you know, if I... If I'm given an award, if I'm elected to class president, if I'm given a platform, then I can be a leader. But it's only if someone gives me that permission. And so once I left the Midwest and I got to college, I think for the first time, just breaking out of that echo chamber was so healthy for me. I finally was able to see that there are different types of people in this world outside of my own culture, my own religion, and outside of the Midwest bubble. And so I think that realization led me to want to do everything I could to get to know different types of people. Mm, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was so excited to get to know every single person on campus. And I think my my optimism had a wake up call one day my my freshman year when i realized that everyone on campus had kind of situated themselves in different friend groups clubs communities and no one wanted to make new friends everyone was happy and content in their groups and i was confused i was like wait i thought college was supposed to be a place for us to meet all of these cool people but everyone was kind of happy just being on their own. And those groups were oftentimes groups of like-minded individuals, people from the same race, culture, religion, geographic location, interests. And I think that was the first time, long story short, where I realized, hey, I think there's something wrong with this. You know, we're supposed to find ways to grow and learn from new types of people constantly, not just for the first few weeks of college. And so I think that aha moment of realizing, oh my goodness, I really want to do something to actually change this culture, but also realizing that I was doing it myself was the real light bulb for me. Because when I got to campus, I wasn't perfect. I was hanging out with all the Jewish kids. I was so excited. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not the only one. I was in the Jewish acapella group, the Jewish sorority. (laughs) And so I was just like everyone else. I was just selecting with people who were like me. And so I think that realization that I wasn't the only one doing that, but everyone was doing that was finally when I thought, okay, I want to change this. I know something is wrong with this and I want to be the one to do it. And I think that experience of going through it and really just kind of understanding an issue in my local community was the impetus that I needed to to stand up and make a change. Mm, And and what it makes me think a lot about is, I don't know if you heard about, but there's been, I think it was two years ago, actually, two or three years ago, um, one of the other uh, speakers that we had on the podcast, um, Eric from from Helena, he did this study at Stanford that was called American One Room. Have you heard about that? 
No, tell me no. about it. So, so American One Way was was a experiment where they gathered people from all states around um, America uh, in one room. So, literally, people from from different uh, from all different types of beliefs and backgrounds, social backgrounds, economic, cultural, religious backgrounds, um, and also different beliefs. And and they were together to start to have a conversation about breaking those a lot of what you said about breaking echo chambers, breaking biases, and just having the conversation. And, and for me, that was just the epitome of, of that experience that you had, but also the experience that I definitely have had um, actually starting when we started this this organization with Humanity Up and just being part of a community that suddenly had ambassadors and had team members from literally all around the world, from all different backgrounds. And that just completely turned upside down my my view of, of the entire world not that I sort of had a close group but like yourself like I, I grew up in, in Scandinavia primarily wide privilege um all the things that you mentioned on the list um and and that experience of, of really having to to meet people from all different types of, of backgrounds and and countries that really changed how I look at things and really wanted to open those conversations and I wanted to to ask you about uh, both a table talk and and with the conversational list can you give us a little bit more insight into the work that you do but especially into the community that you created around them of course and that is such an interesting study Sarah right. I want to look into it after this so yes, I'm gonna send you everything yes please um, but it's so interesting that you and I are in such different places in the world and are still experiencing that same struggle. And so mm. I think for me, that feeling just became universal to some extent. Yes. And so I'm so grateful to be on this journey. And so a little bit about what I do. Um, so like you mentioned, Table Talk was actually where I started. So when I had that aha moment in college, I started an organization that was supposed to bring people together. So Table Talk started as a club at Penn where we just brought people together outside of the classroom to meet new people, have conversations and connect. And that's when it started to grow. I started talking to my friends at other schools from other backgrounds, different areas, and everyone was experiencing the same issue. So I started to slowly spread table talk to other campuses. And before I knew it, I was turning table talk into a 501c3 nonprofit and I had spread it to over 80 college and high school campuses, wow. which is crazy looking back on, yes. but clearly there was a need for dialogue and human connection on campus. And this was, you know, way back in, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017. And so, um, that's where my journey started. So that was table talk. And then I had this other aha moment that led to the conversationalist that I don't need to go into, um, but eventually learned that I wanted to make this impact, but in a different way. Hmm. So I conducted a ton of research to better understand why young people are failing to have conversations. Why are we afraid to talk about things that matter and to talk with people who come from different walks of life? And so a lot of those insights led to the founding of The Conversationalist. And so now that's my full-time focus. Table Talk still exists, but all of our chapters are autonomous. Mm. So they just run on their own on the campuses. Um, and so all of my focus is now on TC. And so 
Long story short, the conversationalist has evolved so many times since we founded, but we are a nonpartisan educational platform that empowers Gen Z to have conversations from multiple points of view. And we really believe that if we can have dialogue that actually includes voices from all different backgrounds, beliefs, opinions, and perspectives, then we, meaning our generation, can unify and come together. And so we do a lot of different things that help us foster those conversations. And the two biggest things that we do are one, conducting our very own talk show. We just launched the first ever Gen Z talk show called POVs, Ooh, like wow. points of view, but I'm excited for Gen Z. I'm so excited too. And we're trying to host more conversations that we can showcase to our community to show people it's possible right? We have to practice what we preach. We have to have these conversations in real time. So we're going to be talking about some of the most controversial issues from multiple perspectives. So that's the main thing we do at TC. And then we have a community. We just have this incredible network of young people from around the world, from different areas of the U.S. and beyond the U.S., who just want to have these conversations 24-7. And so we operate in a few different places, but primarily the Geneva app, where we have audio, video, and chat-based communication all the time between young people who just want to talk about what matters, whether it's something happening in their day, a current event, a controversial topic. It's just an incredible community of young people who want to have those conversations in real time. So that's a little bit about TC. And all in all, we're just on a journey to unify the world and bring people not completely together where we're, you know, kumbayaing and changing our views and standing hand in hand, but we're just trying to bring people a little closer together when we can dissolve, we can dissolve those echo chambers. Mm, yeah. And I was thinking, how has it been for you um, as a young woman stepping into the leadership role and, and seeing that, that, that seeing that our generation can actually take that that role and fill in the shoes and 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 really take up the power of being young leaders. How has that been for you? It's been difficult. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's not this glamorized entrepreneurial journey that I think sometimes we we really strive for. Mm. Um, but I will say it's been a really awesome journey for me to figure out how I can really channel my own voice and step into my own power as a leader. Um, and I think for me, going back to where we started, where I grew up in Kansas, feeling like I didn't have a voice, I think something that I've learned over time is that, you know, in order to make any sort of change, you have to put yourself out there. So even back in Kansas, even though I wasn't getting elected to the positions or getting the lead in the musical, I was still putting myself out there. Mm. I was running for office. I was auditioning for the shows. I was constantly trying to put myself out there. And I think that's been half the battle as a leader today. I just believe that at the end of the day, you have to put yourself out there. You have yes. to try, you have to take risks. And I think for me, that's been the defining mark of my leadership journey, but it's certainly been difficult. It's a lot of competing against yourself and your own inner voice and the imposter syndrome and the comparison, the need for validation. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm super, super grateful to be on this journey. 
Mm. And I think a lot of a lot of what you what you talk about and and speak into, I think a lot of us a lot of it has to do with our generation as well. This inherent sort of contradictory or or contrastal power that we have inside us, a tension that between actually wanting to to really sort of disconnect from the world and and being out of out of the spotlight and at the same time really really taking up the spotlight and and wanting to to bear the torch forward. And and I think for you, how has it this experience, because you talk a lot about, I love the way that you um, talk about unifying and being a unifier and, and being able to to start the dialogue. Um, but something that I've noticed a lot, um, especially in sort of my background, going back with neuroscience and, and also just part of sort of the artist community that I also come from, and which is really much part of my identity, is is realizing that our generation is is very much both people that are more disconnected, more lonely, having more mental health issues, including myself, um, than than ever before. But at the same time, we are also the ones saying that we are going to do something about it. Um, what do you think is, is it is about our generation that has this dialectical um, sort of tension between, within us? Oh my goodness. I am just obsessed with Gen Z. Yes. I think a lot of I think a lot of older generations underestimate us. Mm. But at the end of the day, the data speaks louder, yes. right? Like we are the most diverse generation to date, and I think that speaks for itself, right? Like we are a generation that not only, you know, wants a diverse, inclusive, equitable world, but we expect it because we have a generation that includes so many different types of people that I think it's inherent in our DNA to want to mirror that out into the world. And I think on top of that, given just the environment we've grown up in and all of the issues of our time, being digital natives, being prone to, you know, having a voice and making yourself heard on social media, I think it's just an incredible time to be a young person. And a lot of the research that we've done has helped to back that up. I think there's a statistic that we found when we were doing research at the beginning of TC that found that 66% of Gen Zers are mm -hmm. interested in connecting with someone who thinks differently than they do yes. under a shared social cause. And so again, I don't know if it's just embedded in our framework as a generation or what, but especially in the work that I do in bringing people together, fostering dialogue, it seems like Gen Z is more likely than past generations to be open to that type of dialogue. And I know we'll probably get into this later on, but with the craziness of cancel culture these yes. days and, you know, feeling like you can't share your opinions without fear of judgment, I think Gen Z is also much, much more forgiving mm. than other generations give us credit for. I think that, you know, our generation, and I can't speak for everyone, but I think Gen Z is anti-cancel culture. And I think yeah. that's such a pillar of why our generation is going to make such a profound impact. And I think, I think that's such an important point that you made because something that I definitely have witnessed in, in media, especially about our generation, is actually them highlighting that we are the ones like the, the center of cancel culture. When I, when I speak, at my experience speaking with young people, that's just complete opposite from the truth, right? And I think it's, we are often portrayed in, in a light that, in a very negative light, that, that we are this, this sort of inherent critical um 
very disconnected culture. And I think a lot of it has to do with it's sort of we know the consequences of of having grown up with our generations before us and and just speaking into like the Iraq war and, and just all of those, like the war on terrorism and, and that aspect of seeing like how how the polarization, how much impact it has on people and, and witnessing that, that is very much a part of our story of growing up with 9-11 and seeing how how much that conversation can impact people. But I also think that really has, has impacted us in a way that sometimes make us feel very much disconnected from the world, feel very much alienated from, from our society and wanting to create a new society or create a new different community. But it could be hard when, when we are not allowed to, to have the word or we are cancelled because our, our opinions are different from others or we feel disconnected from others. And I was thinking, just sort of transitioning into a conversation about silence culture and echo chambers i wanted to to ask you about what is it that you think how are these two connected our tendency to be silenced but also the tendency to move within echo chambers and within communities that very much has the same cultural background and the same opinions that you have this is a huge one and i'm going to be honest it all relates back to a lot of data and history mm. that i don't have all of the information on but it's been shown from the earliest of ages that echo chambers were always embedded into just the way our society was created, mm. right? Like in order for safety and shelter, you really flocked with people that could keep you safe. And for the most part, that was your family, your community, the people who were like you. And so there's a lot of interesting communication theory about, you know, how birds of a feather flock together is an mm. actual trope in our history. And so echo chambers have been around much longer than the digital age and social media, which I think is fascinating. And so I think nowadays with technology, it's come to a boiling point. And I think, and I'm an optimist again, I think people have good intentions. Yes. It keeps me going. I think this notion of cancel culture and silence culture and silencing of others comes from a good place. It comes from people that really want to uphold what they believe to be morally mm. correct to create a better and more just society. But I think sometimes it gets taken to a degree that is completely without mercy and I think it can be super unfair to expect that at the end of the day, human beings are supposed to be perfect because we're not. And I think I remember growing up and learning in elementary school, how important it was to make mistakes because you learn from them and you grow. And I find that nowadays we're so quick to judge and punish someone for a misstep or saying something insensitive or ignorant because at the end of the day, Who's to blame? Was it mm. a lack of education? Was it something that they were brought up with in their echo chamber, in their environment? And how can we actually help people learn and grow? Because that is the beauty of the human experience. So I think it comes from such a history that we still haven't unpacked. But I think now it just becomes complicated with social media because we're processing and living our lives in such a public way that maybe we didn't use to in the past. Yeah, and I think as well, I was just wanted to mention about sort of the all the theory that also goes into like creating identity and, and realizing that 
there is probably some some theories proposing that identity is sort of a way for us to distance ourselves from from others and for other communities. So so I am yeah. defined by what I recognize that I'm not from from someone else, right? Or it could be that I'm actually identifying myself with this otherness, with with all these others that are around me, and I'm actually having difficulties with with finding authenticity in in who I am. And I think in in all that around actually creating an identity i think especially with with digital media and with social media i think it has really amplified the issue of of finding an identity and make it even harder or maybe our identity is just even more fluent that that we used to and how do we translate that into communities and and creating connections with people because there's no sort of stable structure that we could rely on that we can follow that helps us create this like who we are and answer the question of who we are that's very much a really a dialogue that we have today and a very sort of amplified and exposed dialogue because it happens all the time on social media um and i wanted to to sort of take that conversation further into asking you about like how can we start having those conversations like those conversations that create the connections that really affect or help us create identity and help us be more inclusive and and going deeper and being more substantial in the way that we communicate with each other and, and being more vulnerable and authentic. This is fascinating. And this may sound cliche, but it starts with yourself. Yeah. I think that's what I've learned is a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this from growing up in my own echo chamber, but a lot of the times I feel like I only believe what I believe hmm. because of what I've been told right? I think it's so important, especially as young people, to take a step into your own journey by actually taking a step back to have that conversation with yourself. Question your beliefs, question the things you've been told, do research, just learn. I think sometimes we feel a certain pressure to know it all, but at the end of the day, we need to just be experts in our own experiences. And so, when it comes to starting to have those conversations in a more intentional, you know, deep way, it starts with you. And if you know where you stand and what you believe that's separate from what other people have told you, then I think your own voice will shine through in those conversations. But I think sometimes we're afraid to even face those conversations with ourselves. So that's where I would say it needs to start. And then I would take it to another degree, which is, you know, if you spend a lot of your time reading and learning and digesting information on social media, for example, start to surround yourself with different modes of thinking so that you can start to strengthen your own beliefs through the exploration of others. And this can still be between yourself and the content you consume before you take it to an actual other person. So it starts with you reflection, journaling, having those conversations with yourself, then taking those beliefs and trying to understand different modes of thinking around those beliefs so you can strengthen what you believe in or maybe consider a new perspective and then start having those conversations super intentionally with others in a way that allows you to share your experiences and your beliefs without the intention of changing someone else's. Yeah, and I think circling back to, to what we talk about in the beginning as well, like mentioning that we start having dialogues and inviting people and, and our generation is, is more likely to invite in people with different 
um, different opinions and different background from us. I think a lot of it in our organization has really been in humanity up, has really been sort of the entire story and the entire value that we have in our community is really finding unity and diversity, knowing that that community and, and common ground and connection has nothing to do with being same, the same or the sameness of, of things or having the same yes. opinion or having the same beliefs or the same backgrounds. There's nothing to really, it's completely exclusive from some from sameness and really has more to do with connection and finding connection and, and being able to not necessarily understand each other, but being having the willingness to, to listen to each other and, and really, and what have you find like new communities, what have you find or what have you done to sort of cultivate this experience of finding unity among, amongst diversity? For us specifically, it's really come down to our unique makeup of the way that we operate our community. For us, we really wanted to intentionally create a space that differentiated from an experience that you get on Reddit or Twitter or Instagram. Like we wanted place or we could celebrate being down to the, the rules and regulations and guidelines that we've crafted to make sure that the space that we've created maintains and can evolve but at the same time like always always honor people for who they are and so we make it very clear that when you join our community this is what we're all about right? Like we really, really believe in conversation and dialogue that allows all voices to be heard. And if you're coming to our community to only hear one perspective, then we're not the community for you. And I think we've had to really draw that line in the sand and say, in order to create this community that can foster unity, we have to make some hard decisions. And so sometimes people are shocked when they find out that we actually do allow all voices to be heard. But at the end of the day, that's how we can actually practice what we preach. So a lot of our guidelines are around, you know, making sure people can fully show up as themselves to come as they are into the community where they do not need to be questioned for who they are. And at the same time, creating a space where people can share their opinions without fear of judgment. And so I think we've just tried to layer in those different components where the community is not just about one thing, but it's honoring the multifaceted nature of our generation and our beings so that we can all come together and have those conversations. Um, and I think to add one more thing, it's also about leveling expectations. I think people come in and again, don't fully understand what it means to unify, to have these conversations, to break your echo chamber and get disappointed or frustrated by the fact that it's uncomfortable, it's not easy, and it doesn't happen overnight. I think a lot of people expect to have a conversation, check the box, be completely open-minded, and it's done. But that's not how it works. I think every single conversation we have in our community serves as a seed that's being planted. And maybe we won't see the, the fruits of that labor until 10, 15 years down the road when Gen Z is in office, assuming these leadership positions and channeling these skills into their own lives. But it's all about leveling that expectation and saying, hey, this is what we mean 
by unity. It's the concept of coming a little closer together to someone who maybe you would have never interacted with before because you better understand their lived experience outside of your echo chamber. And once that echo chamber is open, you're much more likely to have empathy and understanding for another human being that closes that gap and creates less distance between us. And so it's a lot of educating and teaching and helping people understand that it's not it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I think that's been a unique challenge for us, but has been integral to the framework of our community. Yeah, and it makes me think of, because some of my my favorite part of our ambassador program has definitely been the the topic calls that we have. So, so our ambassador program is divided into different types of calls we have around different topics. And, and a huge part of it is these topic calls where we especially have the, the discussions around topics. So instead of just having sort of a a sort of teacher-student uh, relationship, our a program is built around conversation and around having dialogues and especially about having these issues that is dear to our hearts, like important global issues, but also local issues and personal issues and and having the conversation and just witnessing when having the room actually sitting with people from maybe 10 different countries and you get to witness on both a personal level and also a global level how the different perspectives come together and how they complement each other and how mm. you can suddenly have someone who with talking about uh gender gender issues and they have sort of one um one specific issue that they deal with and someone else has to complete the opposite issue and what they have witnessed in their country can suddenly be used in a different way in another country and and that dialogue has just become such a powerful tool both uh as a as an end in itself to just talk about these issues and witnessing that there is a lot of answers to the same question, but also knowing that the dialogue is a powerful tool that we can use for change. And I wanted to ask you about that as well. How how do you see that we can use conversation in general and, and be better at using conversation as a tool for change? Well, first of all, Sarah, that is so powerful. And I resonate so deeply with that. And it's complex because mm. it sounds so simple, right? Yes. Like conversation and dialogue should just be expected in our world, right? But I think nowadays conversation has become this radical concept that not everyone buys into. And so I think it's so important that we go back to the essence of what it means to be a human being on this earth and know that communication is an essential survival tool. It's a skill that we all need to have and foster to succeed in our own lives, in our communities, with interpersonal relationships, professional relationships. And I think it's so important that people realize that dialogue has the potential to transform and is really the only way that we can solve problems, right? It all starts with a conversation. And so I think we've tried to just place the emphasis on how important conversation is in the work that we do in knowing that dialogue can have tremendous impact, but it starts somewhere. And I think a lot of people lack some of the basic tools that you need to have a successful, meaningful conversation. And so I'm such a believer that if we can all adopt the same language, meaning we have the same conversation norms, the way that we approach dialogue, if we can all foster that same 
code of conduct per se, then we'll be able to actually utilize conversation to its fullest potential to make transformational change and solve the problems we see in the world. Because when we don't have those conversations, nothing happens. There's no change to be created. And so it's so important that we realize that we have to at least buy into the concept of starting that dialogue. Mm, yeah, and with that said, I wanted to ask you, what has your personal favorite conversation been and how has that affected you? Oh my gosh. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think it's possible to pick one. I feel like I'm <laughs> having like 50 a day at this point. Oh, that's amazing. Rate. I love that. Um, but I'll try to recall a favorite one recently. Um, it's, it's a conversation that I had a couple of months ago um, when I was actually visiting Texas and I was meeting up with one of my friends. His name is Mike Johnson. Um, if you watch the TV show, The Bachelor, he was on The Bachelor. He's a fantastic human being. And we had this really awesome conversation that lasted like over two hours, just about the nature of our world and the importance of intentionality. And he really helped me realize that sometimes nice people finish last. Mm. And in order to really make a change and create that shift that we were just talking about, sometimes we have to lean in to something that is a little bit more radical to expedite the process. And it's this interesting back and forth about, you know, intentionality versus impact. Mm. And in the context of TC, I felt like we were always playing it safe, you know, trying to create a platform that was for everyone, right? It's, it's happy. It's, it's easy. Everyone can just come together around a campfire and have a conversation and we'll live happily ever after. And I think he really helped me realize that the work that I'm doing is inherently radical yeah. and we don't lean in enough. And he just gave me so many interesting examples about the most powerful people on our planet and how change comes from radical decision-making And sometimes every person or every brand needs like a quote unquote, Miley Cyrus, shave your hair off moment to come into your own and to show the world, hey, I'm here, I'm serious about this and we're going to make a difference. And I think that conversation just introduced me to such a different perspective on life that I had never had because I've always been one who follows the rules. I play mm. it safe and... I think he really helped me step into this next phase of the conversationalist. So shout out to Mike. Oh yeah, I so love that. And I really, really deeply resonate with what you said. Um, I think also, I think in my my personal experience, both with Humanity Up and my personal life, I came from from sort of the background, as I said before, with sort of on my way to become a neuroscientist and, and realizing that I was actually stepping down a path that didn't felt... I really, I was really passionate about neuroscience and and the entire conversation, but I wasn't passionate about being a scientist. I was really, I was an artist, and and that felt really true to me. But I didn't even saw it as a possibility because it was so outside of of exactly my echo chamber, right? Um, of what I was coming from, and having to to really take that radical responsibility for yourself and recognizing that I need to take this decision for myself 
in order to to both to be happy but also to make an impact and to do what's quote unquote right both for me mm. but also to in order to be the best possible human that I can be right and recognizing totally. that you can actually still have as you said you can still be inclusive you can still be having uh, these amazing substantial type of conversation and and being open to people uh, without having to to be the one who always like sits back and and has a good intention and but you can be being radical at the same time and, and those two doesn't exclude each other they actually complement each other and I think that's what we witness in in our organization as well that and we really needed to set some boundaries around like which like which but not just which type of people I want to not want to say that, but more like how we want people to interact with each other. Like you had said that we need to to have some clear guidelines of of what are the rules for these type of conversations that we have, so that people not end up actually overstepping each other's boundaries. But we have a clear insight of what the goals that we want to reach, and I think that's such an important both experience and and also witnessing that. Um, so thank you for mentioning that. And I wanted to to segue into to your experience as a young leader and as an activist in this space, because as you said, we are really much exposed in, in our culture. There is a lot of resistance um, within other generations. And sometimes I also feel amongst other young people that just having this status quo or just in general, not being able to really see beyond what what we have learned and in our own echo chambers and what have your experience and how have you dealt with with cancel culture and this sort of resistance? It's an uphill battle. Yes. Every single day. And I personally deal with cancel culture through a self-exploration exercise. I've uh, been working on this with my therapist. And, you know, anytime I come into contact with, with anything that presents friction in my life, whether it's a person who holds a belief that I disagree with, maybe it's something that I see on my social media feed that is just driving me insane, or even if it's a fellow entrepreneur who I feel is leaps head of where I am and I find myself and wishing I was in their shoes. I always say to myself, have gratitude for what that person is shining a light on about me. So if I come into contact, you know, with one of those posts on my social media feed, I'll oftentimes say out loud or to myself, thank you so much for showing me X, Y, and Z. Whether it's, thank you for showing me that I really believe in X because your post or your perspective really helped me strengthen who I am. Or thank you for showing, you know, thank you for shining a light on an insecurity that I have that I can pay more attention to. Or thank you for showing me what is possible. And I think oftentimes that that little exercise of gratitude turns that friction into growth. And so when it, when it comes to cancel culture, I'm definitely cancel cancel culture all the way, but I think it's it's hard sometimes when you mm. see a person, a belief, an opinion, a perspective that goes against what you believe in. But at the end of the day, I have to remind myself that that person has just as much right to have their opinion as I do. And who am I to judge? 
So rather, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to learn something about myself and to constantly be thinking about how can I learn and grow from this. And so it's, it's tricky at times. I'm so not perfect at it. But this has at least helped to reframe the conversation in a way. Um, and I find that if sometimes people can reverse cancel someone, right, and maybe call them in or again, shine the light back on themselves, then that actually creates way for dialogue. So that's, that's been my approach. Um, but Sarah, what about you? How do you deal with cancel culture? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's, as you said, it's a really big one. Um, I think it's, it's about staying as authentic as possible, um, knowing that that truth is always a subjective um, experience and that objective truth is is really in many ways a lie that that's we have certain scientific facts of course that there's always objective truth but sort of the expression of who i am is always subjective and and that as you said that everyone is entitled to have their own personal opinion and their own personal reality and as long as I hold on to that sort of mantra in my head, the more I can distinct myself from, from the experience of, of, of not letting that affect me or sort of being detached from it. Not that I am completely perfect at it. I'm definitely not. But, but definitely I want to, to be in the experience of, of really, as you said, being grateful for someone else, showing me that I could be, that I can be, what I value or, or who I am, but but also being able to know that the truth is always coming back to that, the truth is always subjective. Um, and I think that's sort of, for me, such a powerful mentor that, that has really helped me to not get, feel really personally affected by cancel culture. Um, and, and then again, having the conversations where we can talk about it and, and having let it, let it be exposed and let it put it into the light and having the conversation about it because that makes it more, um something again that that doesn't affect us that much if you can talk about it like with anxiety if you can talk about it, if you have a conversation about naming what it is we actually are more able to process this and having a more more healthy relationship with it um so i wanted to because we are really much about in our community as well about supporting and amplifying each other and, and really having each other's back and i wanted to as a community both as a podcast but also as humanity of how can we support you and tc Oh my goodness. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for asking. And I just have to comment on what you shared before too. I love what you said about truth being subjective, but it's also super interesting because mm -hmm. that can be such a hot take nowadays. Yeah. A lot of people are constantly fighting between the notion of personal truth versus, you know, fact and data. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, definitely. Oh, that could be a whole separate yes. conversation, but <laughs> I'm, I'm on your side. I think truth at the end of the day is subjective when it comes to our personal truth. And anyways, I digress, but I just wanted to thank you for sharing that. Um, so I would love to find a way to collaborate. I think anything and everything we can do together that will help amplify Gen Z, I'm all in for. Um, and whenever you're in the US, we have to have you on the talk show. So yes. um, the possibilities are endless, but any way that you know we can find ways to find young people who are out there who have ideas that need to be shared and perspectives that need to be amplified 
let's bring them together and create that unity from both of our communities. So that's, that's what I would share. Um, How can, how can we at TC support you? (laughs) Oh, I love that. Are we definitely going to do something about that? Um, Everyone should stay tuned for that one. I think we, we will kind of find out something really creative and really fun. Um, So before we round this conversation up and we'll take the conversation further and you definitely will hear back from, from Sophie um, at some point, but I just wanted to ask you if you could give any uh, message to your fellow Gen Cs, what would you get or what you would say? This may come unsurprising, but for anyone out there who is doubting the power of their voice or if they even have a voice to begin with, I hope that you can picture me in your head reminding you that your voice is there. It matters. It is so powerful and it needs to be heard because that is a message that I so badly wish that someone would have given to me when I was younger, right? Like I, I really felt like that would have helped me go out into the world to make a difference at such a young age. And Gen Z is so powerful. And imagine what would happen if everyone stepped into that power right now. So that's my message. Use your voice, channel it in whatever way you want to use it that will create a positive impact in the world. Mm, I love it. And if our community wants to know more about you and wants to know more, more about TCE and maybe what we, you guys are being part of your community, where can they find you? Head to our website, theconversationalist.com, and then check us out on social media. We're at The Conversationalist. And if anyone wants to start a conversation, hit me up at Sophie Barron on all my social media platforms. And I can't wait to keep the conversation going. Yes. Thank you so much, Sophie, for taking the time to talk with me and talk to our community. It has been an absolute joy and pleasure. And I can't wait to speak more to you, speak more to you in the future and definitely meet you in person and take this conversation even further. I can't wait, Sarah. Thank you. And in the theme of today, change it up. You definitely changed my yes. perspective on so many things. And oh, I you appreciate too. you. Thank you for having me. This episode was brought to you by Humanidia. Thank you for tuning in and for being part of this amazing community. I'll see you next time.